Hello. Hey, Chelsea, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, welcome to the JMO podcast again. Are you so? Yeah, this is much better. Much better. Um, you still working on your soap? You said right? Yes, I am. And you had your first big, your first big order. You said something like that. Oh, my first order was a big, was a big baby shower. It was like uh, 40 bags of soap, like these little mini soaps. One was a heart shape and one was a star shape. And the heart was like a baby pink and the, the blue star was like a baby blue. And then they smelled like baby powder. Oh, so. impressive. I, I didn't know you did all that. Yeah, it's fun. Like I was sitting here thinking like I'm about to get off paper here at the latest uh the beginning of well the end of next March so March of 2023 and I'm just super excited about it because then my two year starts and in two years from the time I get off paper I can vote again that's how it works in the state of Nebraska so I'm stoked about that because I need to get be able to cast my ballot. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm glad you uh I didn't I didn't even know you was a registered voter. I could have been talking to you about well, politics. I'm a registered voter, but they took my voting rights away right now because I got into some legal trouble due to drug addiction um, that I've been struggling with. I was struggling with it for well, let's see here. I have almost three years again sober. Right. I had a 19. But before that, before I had my relapse in 2019, I had two and a half years down. So I have on and off sobriety for like four and a half, close to five years, but I just start my time over if it happens, you know. Um, But I I wasn't occupying my time with anything positive and I was getting complacent in my treatment and my recovery. And you can't do that, so. Um, Speaking of which, that's why I owe you an apology, uh, Chelsea. Um, all the times I've seen you, I did not know you were going through that. I had no idea. And all the times you see me at work, um, I just feel really, really bad that I didn't do anything to help. I just feel horrible. Because I was doing so well. I was doing so well then, and well, I still am. But. Honestly, honestly, I don't think that there's anything that you could have done to help me, like, um, because I was in a really bad way. Like, my drug of choice was methamphetamine, mm-hmm. and pretty much anything that I could get my hands on, like, towards the end of my addiction, my active addiction. So, I mean, like, I had people that did stuff for me, but it was like, like, I would only ask my dad for, like, food or, like, stuff like that. Like, he wouldn't give me money because he knew that I would spend it on drugs. And, you know, that helped. Like, that's some that's somebody that cares. Like, don't give me money if I'm all fucked up. Because it's almost like enabling the person to, to go out and do what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, I understand that. But, I mean, I was there at store manager at McDonald's. I, I could have fed you to your, you know. I just didn't know you was going through that. I had no idea. I had no idea. So every time I seen you, I mean, I just thought everything was cool. But apparently, either my uh, observation I skills. Every, I thought everybody knew by the way I was looking. I was looking like I was hungry. Well, <laughs> I, got, 
I don't know. I just I just thought you always looked like Chelsea. So um yeah, I you know, I, I didn't like I said I didn't know you was going through that. So I really, really feel bad you was going through that. And I was seeing you and I didn't do anything. So um, Well, I didn't tell you either. I didn't I mean I probably could have asked you, but I probably I don't know. Like especially towards the end, I was really, really embarrassed by the way I was looking, especially by the way I was feeling. Um, I was just broken, you know? And, like, I see people now, and, like, it really just breaks my heart. You know how people, like, will make fun of people that are all lost in the streets? They look, like, lost. Yeah. It's because they have something going on. Like, they are really broken. Like, that was the saddest time of my life. Yeah, like, they're broken they're broken and they need help but they can't get help unless they want it because that help is not gonna I was there yeah. yeah that makes me so bad Chelsea. hold on one second sorry it's all good that was my husband oh okay he's not actually working he's not here right now he's out of town because he's working out of town they're doing some construction work so and i'm like super grateful for him like when that first podcast that i joined with you guys and you guys were talking about men and women that's a touchy subject you know because like we are shaped from our first experiences and encounters with people, you know, and that kind of like lays out like a what we believe the other sex is or another kind of person is, you know, throughout our, our entire life. Unless somebody does something or is just so kind to like change our mind on something. Yeah, yeah. I'm just glad uh, you found somebody to make you happy. So I don't have to worry as much now. Um, but uh, so okay. So let me start off by how I how I got sober. Well, wait, 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 wait. Before we go there, you gotta tell me how it got started. Oh, okay. kind of skipping over. Yeah, so that is did, okay. So I I originally started doing. I tried methamphetamine when I was, I want to say, fifteen or sixteen years old with a girl that I kind of, I grew up with. I'm not going to say her name because it's kind of like confidential, you know, confidential type stuff. Oh, you gotta do that. I'll tell you in person. It's more of a one-on-one type thing. Not for everybody and their mother to know. But, um, so I started with her and it was on and off. Then we kind of fell out, you know, drugs will make people fall off and then they'll be friends, best friends the next day and everything else. So it's like a, a super crazy life, but And then I ended up hanging out with somebody that was definitely not good for me. My dad told me all my life not to hang out with this person. But my drug addiction, I got so deep into this person and the lifestyle of, you know, being an addict, living a fast life, um, doing things for money that I'm not proud of in order to support my habit. Um... 
it, it was just, it was, it was overwhelming. But so that went on for a long time in my life. Then I ended up getting pregnant, but I wasn't pregnant. I didn't get pregnant until I was 20. And I ended up having my first son when I was 21. And I quit using drugs about a month into my pregnancy when I found out I was pregnant with him. And then as soon as I had him, I like within two weeks of having him, I was back right on the wagon. So, and then it was about 18 months of using and raising my son. I mean, you know, semi-raising him. I didn't allow for him to get injured or hurt and I provided for him, but I wasn't there emotionally for him. I wasn't there spiritually for him. I just wasn't there in my eyes as a mother should be there for their child. So that went on for about 18 months and I got pregnant with my second son. And uh, I was actually working at Village Inn at the time. And I had a really rough pregnancy that time. Um, I was like suffering from like severe nosebleeds and I would literally be in the middle because I used to work, I used to work bar rush and then sometimes I used to work um, Sunday mornings at Village Inn on 29th and O Street. That used to be super crazy. Mm-hmm. So it was just super fast paced. I'd be in the middle of delivering food for tables and my nose would be bleeding in the trash can. Like, so I ended up get my, cause I was throwing up and then I started throwing up so much cause I had so much blood in my stomach from my nose bleeding. But that caused me to have my water break at 19 weeks from all of the stress of me throwing up. My water broke at 19 weeks and then I stayed pregnant another six weeks after that. And I I delivered him uh, May 26 of 2008, which he just had a birthday. He just turned 14. And you know, as soon as, I mean, he was in and he was in the hospital for the first three months of his life. So, I mean, I, I would go up to the hospital every day and stay, but at nighttime I would go home and I would, I started using already before he even came home. Mm. I was using on a daily basis. And at that time, my oldest son, he was actually down in Springfield, Missouri with my sister Latoya because she decided she was going to take him off my hands while I got everything situated for my son in the NICU. He was here up at St. Elizabeth. Um, Those nurses up there are so awesome too. Um, But anyway, so it just goes on and on and on. And then I brought my two boys home. We lived up there off of Candle Tree Lane, off of like 70th and uh, past A Street. Yeah, I know where it is. Yeah, and the Regency Apartments, we lived out there and um, had my two sons there. And, you know, of course I was using, taking them to daycare and then coming home using, you know, it was like, as the years go on, I feel like the system kind of starts to, you know, they make modifications in order to get assistance for people because they're realizing that people will just live on the system or government all this, all the time, just keep on having all these kids, you know? And like they literally, there are some, do require and need and deserve assistance but there are people out there that are using the government (laughs) and I mean I probably was one of those people at that time except for I was going to school and I didn't I just chose not to work because I 
I, I didn't have time to do my drugs if I was, you know, doing something else all, all the time, you know. But I did go to school, took my kids to daycare, ended up making a really bad choice um, after I had my daughter. I got pregnant with my daughter. She was born in 2010, February. So I don't know, the time kind of all mushes together, you know. But she, uh, she was born six weeks early and she was eight and a half pounds. Um, I think I was on, I was on hydrocodone when I was pregnant with her and that was prescribed by a doctor. Um, she didn't have any issues. I mean, when she was born, she was six weeks early. So she started off in the NICU and then she went home from the NICU. She was only there for about a week and a half, I think. And then I brought her home. But it was, it, she wasn't even a month, she was like a month and a half or two months old when I decided to go out of state and go on a little vacation with some people, which I shouldn't have done, you know? I shouldn't have done that. Like I was in my, I was not in my right mind to leave my baby. I just wasn't. Like you don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, normal women that are in their right mind. And I would have been in my right mind if I wasn't on drugs. So let me ask you this, Chelsea. So you just got started using recreationally, like nothing caused you to, you know what I mean? To do meth. Like it wasn't traumatic or anything like that. It was just recreationally. No, my mom died when I was 12. Oh, there we go. There we go. So my mom died uh, when I was 12. She was, let's see here. She committed suicide, actually. Oh, there we go. There, there's a trauma right there. Um, so, I mean, you know, that's, that's so awesome that you asked that because I always forget to, I forget to think about all of the things that could have pushed me to that limit of using, you know, because you don't just, I don't think you just grow up wanting to use unless something traumatic happens in your life. Like you start to self-medicate and you don't even realize you're doing it. But I tried it. Yeah, and that is the traumatic thing that happened to me is that my mother passed away. And it was very bad. It was just like, it was so unreal. It was almost like, well, if you've had somebody pass away, it's almost like it, it doesn't make any sense, of course. And it's almost like it never happened or it didn't happen for a long time in your life. Like, I just yeah. didn't believe it. So yeah, I thought... I, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay, so... Uh, go ahead. No, well, I, you know... Yeah, that's one thing, like, you know, I had to uh, study in school. And trauma, 80% of drug use is caused by trauma. So four out of five people... That, that use and become addicts is using some kind of trauma in their life to make them use. So that's why I asked, you know, was it recreational or did you have some kind of trauma? So when you tell me about your mom passing, yep, I was like, yep, there it is, right there. So, um, you you know, you have no reason uh, to feel bad about that because um, a lot of people would use in a situation like that. So, 
I mean, I don't feel bad about using. I feel bad about making the choices that I did when I was under the influence, especially when it came to leaving my kids. And I thought that I was, you know, taking the right steps, like signing over, like I signed a, a form saying that the girl that I left my children with, which she was not on drugs. She was, she was a good person for all I knew, you know, and I grew up with her. Like I used to watch her little sisters because before they moved with their dad here to Lincoln, they weren't here to watch their sisters. So I used to watch their sisters for them. Anyway, um, so I ended up leaving uh, my children with her and it was about, let's see here. It was, I went down to Arizona and it was about probably 24 to 48 hours into my trip when I received a call, she said that that Nadia, that's my daughter's name, Nadia was not breathing right. And I said, well, you need to make a doctor's appointment. And I signed a piece of paper saying that she could take her to the doctor. And she took her to, she, she didn't actually end up taking her to the doctor. My dad's wife um, stopped by the house to either pick up some clothes for my other son. Uh, and they were upset. My dad and his wife were upset because I did not tell them that I was leaving. You know, I was on some sketchy stuff back then. Anyways, um, so she ended up taking taking my daughter from the girl that I left my daughter with and taking her to the doctor's office. And I said that that was okay because her she's more familiar you know, any, any type of issue or anything that she may have, I, I feel like because she's had kids and the other girl didn't have kids, you know, but what I didn't realize is that she was just taking over my children, you know, which as of today, I, I'm very grateful for this person, um, for taking care of my kids. But I mean, of course I probably would have did things a lot different than what she did. You know, that's, I mean, that's what my kids know is their mom until like about four years ago and I started to coming back into my kids' life but I was out of their lives for six years six and years that's a, that's a long time to be out of your child's life yeah, and that imagine how long or how how hurt and like confused and broken my children were when I left well the good thing is that you're back now so that's what's important so um all that stuff you uh you did in the past um it's in the past so but the thing is that i'm proud of you Rick. you know for you getting sober and everything that is a that's an accomplishment within itself because um uh a lot of people don't come back from that yeah they don't that come is back so yeah i've had several die from drug overdoses and just from poor health from the years of using it tears your body down that's what people don't realize I mean yeah of course I wasn't thinking about that I was not thinking about that thinking about how the toll it takes on your body on your insides on your organs on everything um so okay so let's let's get back up to where I was I was about to tell you a reverse story and then you told me to start beginning. So, so I had gotten into some trouble. 
And I've been, over the years, I've had multiple encounters with Lincoln Police Department. So they know me by my first name, you know, they probably even know my social security number because when I was like super messed up, I would literally just start giving them my name, my social security number and my date of birth. Like, I'm not lying to you, you know, like, like I have nothing to hide from. Like you guys, I was, I was just tired of it, you know? But uh, for, uh, luckily, I just I didn't have any super bad encounters with Lincoln Police Department, which most definitely could have happened. Yeah, uh, but I did get into some trouble. So I ended up taking well, I was walking down the street and I was walking. Well, I can remember that day almost perfectly. And that's only I'm only saying almost because I was under the influence. I was super high, you know. And I just remember seeing all these flyers around the neighborhood over here on the south side of town. And I was like, oh, they're giving away, I, I can't remember, it was like giving away a house or it was like home renovation or something like that. But I, I thought in my mind, like I had it in my mind, like, oh my gosh, they're giving away a house. I'm gonna get a house. Like I had like this dream. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gonna get a house, you know? And then all of a sudden I looked down on the ground and like I was just walking and I just looked down and there was like, a pair of keys it was like on this like right on the corner of an edge like somebody just left them there for me and oh like boy. i them up so it, keys like keys to a house keys to a car i was like dang i got a car i got a house i got a mailbox <laughs> i got all this <laughs> i was like i got all this and i was like oh my gosh this is a nice house to find you know <laughs> i feel and I went in this house with these keys and I looked around and I was like, oh, they got it all nice and clean for me. And I was looking around and I looked in the fridge. I was like, oh, there's not much food, but that's okay. And I had like a thing of like laundry detergent with me and like a, a plastic bag full of like some just regular, like random items. And um, so I decided to like, I just looked around. I was like, oh, this nice wood, this nice TV and all this other stuff, like dusted everything was like dusted pre-dusted before i got in there like it was literally a setup and uh now that i think about it it was a setup and and then there was a coat rack by the door and i was like oh i'm gonna go walk around i'm gonna go get some friends and we're gonna come back here and we're gonna hang out i'm gonna go tell them that i have a place for them to stay you know oh boy and so i walked around i remember putting this hat on my head it was a hat from the the little bench that had the it has like a little thing to hang your coats and stuff like a coat rack with a bench anyway so i put the hat on my head and then i grabbed like a, a computer a like laptop chromebook or something maybe and i was like walking down the street walking down the street and i had the keys i had my backpack and in my backpack i had all of these little knickknacks like all kinds of weird stuff and earlier in that day, I had found this cool fillet knife, right? I had found this cool fillet knife, like to fillet a fish, but it had like this cool leather casing that was like, you know how people like burn into leather, like with a hot iron or a hot tool and they make all these designs. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I found one like that. It had a case and everything. So I was gonna go and paint it later. Like once I found a place to chill. <laughs> I was going to go paint it later. So that knife was in my backpack and it was long. It was really long. It was probably like eight to 12 inches. It was a, 
and it was in my backpack. So I'm walking around, walking around. I end up stopping by saying hi to some of my friends or what I thought was my friends at that time, associates. And I gave one of the hats away that I had. And then I turned back around and I was gonna go back to the house. Then I found somebody that I knew and I was like, hey, can you give me a ride to my house? And they're like, yeah, I'll give you a ride. I'm like, hey, do you wanna come over? And they're looking at me like, you didn't just get a house, bitch. You did not just get a house. <laughs> like, where the fuck is this <laughs> And I mean, thankfully for them, they didn't go with me, you know? But I'm walking back up to my house, what I think is my house, and this lady is screaming at me, why did you burglarize my home? And I'm yelling back at her like, I didn't, it's my home, I'm telling her. Like, it's my house. Like, she grabs onto my arm, this tall white lady. She grabs onto my arm, and I'm trying to like rip my arm away from her. Like she's got a hold of me and I'm just like this little frail thing because I like hadn't eaten probably, was dehydrated and all this other stuff. And I'm freaking out, like wondering why she won't let go of me. And in the in the midst of everything, she like scratched me. And this was not inside of her property. This was outside, you know? So basically she assaulted me, you know? Cause I was not inside of her property. I was outside of her house at that time. She may have seen that I had some of her items with me, but still, like if I would have had a better lawyer, they would have fought that and they at least I would have gotten a, she would have gotten an assault charge on me because she assaulted me. Anyways, so I went, she sat me in the house. She took me back in the house and set me down on the steps inside the house. And she called the police and the police showed up and I was, they took my backpack and then they took kitchen area or like set it on a dining room table, I think. I don't know, because I was towards the front door and they were going through my back. So I'm sitting here thinking in my mind, this is how they fucking plant shit on people. You know, they don't, they don't do things the way it's supposed to happen. It, it should have been done in the light with cameras on it, with, with me being watched by another officer, like, like what the heck? Like, why would you take my bag away from me, take my property? The only thing that I had was the hat and the computer, which I did not, I was bringing the stuff fucking back, bitch. Why the fuck did I end up in jail? But I'm glad I did because I, I got my mind right. And I know that what I did that day was not right, you know? But I, I can replay it and I can tell you exactly what I was thinking and why at that time. But that's because I was under the influence. So I spent like a stint in jail, of course, and I was freaking out. I had so many like mental health issues and episodes like where they were putting me in like a turtle suit and like strapping me to a chair and like, it was just really hard to be in there, you know? Uh, the one person that came to see me all the time was my dad. He was always there for me. And he was more relieved that I was in jail because he knew that I was alive. He knew I was alive and I was safe at least. I mean, maybe not treated the best in there, but at least I was alive. Oh, so, boy. so I went there and then, you know, I got this attorney and he was basically just like, you know, what were you thinking? And he was, I was trying to tell him and he just didn't believe me that I was having an episode, you know, like a psychotic episode, like who thinks that they're fucking giving away houses, you know? 
somebody that's crazy. Well, you know, like I had psych, like a mental health induced psychosis, like craziness when I was under the influence, like a drug induced psychosis is what it's called. And I've been, I've been diagnosed with several different mental health issues. Um, but I mean, I'm just glad that I committed to getting help and realizing that I was ready for it. At that time, I was so excited to go to treatment. I was just so excited to go, you know. It's okay, it was, Chelsea. It was it's hard. Me. It's okay. It was hard. It was so hard to go. But I was yes. so excited to go. I had tried to go to treatment several times in my life, and I ended up running or leaving. They call it running. And I never needed um, it, but... Oh, I, 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 I got I to cut, cut in for a second. So let me ask you this. How, if you were this so-called strung out and addicted, um, how were you able to hide it from me so well, Chelsea? Because when I, I see you, I... I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, if I know... Are people, there are people that are out there on drugs that you would not know that they're on drugs. No, I know that, but... I don't know yeah. if I... I don't know because I mean I can hold my composure in front of people you know it's it wasn't that it was just like towards the end you could really tell and I don't think I told I saw you towards the end of my addiction like I used to always like dress do like dress myself up and you know look nice and stuff like that and then towards the end of my addiction I was homeless I this was for like the last two years I was homeless um probably three years actually so homeless no job no income no place to take a shower you know hanging out with the wrong people hanging out with people that actually looked high if i chelsea I guess I'm, I gotta figure out uh, <laughs> so what happened. I think, uh, I think like something hurts cut out or whatever. Um, we'll get back to Chelsea. Um, for, uh, give me a second. I think she cut out. I don't, I don't for whatever reason, the switchboard, I can't, I can't get her to come back in. So, what about, uh, can you hear me? Okay, no, you cut out. There you go. So I had to talk. I had to talk to fill in space. Phone went black, but I was still here. I could hear you the whole time. Okay, because I couldn't hear you at all. So I had to talk to fill up the space because I have oh. to say I'm, I'm a killer when I see her. Um, <laughs> Don't do it. Um, uh, no, um, so maybe that's what happened the last time. Yeah. I was, uh, I was having a good. Con I was having fun on that that night. Yeah, okay. I mean, it got better after you left. Like it even got better. If you, I'm pretty sure you listened to it, but it got even better after you left. I'm just like, where did she go? Where did she go? But, uh, yeah, but Chelsea, were you going through all that? Um, okay, so you were saying, how how can I hide that? How, how was I able to, like, not... Hide it not, from me. Hide it from you? Um, yeah, you from know, me. I don't I, know there's certain... I mean, I know that... I mean, I even when I was high, when, my, when I like saw my dad or something like that I would try to be as normal as possible you know and like I didn't do like a whole bunch of stuff that I 
allowed myself to do when I wasn't around those people that I cared about what they thought about me, you know? And I was one of them? Yeah. Like, you're one of the people that I care about what you think about me. So, I mean, there are certain people that you just don't care, you know? Like, you could really care less what they think. But, Um, like, certain people's opinions are important, and you should really keep that in mind, I think. Everybody should. Well... What year was this? Tell me the year again. Like, like okay, the middle of your addiction. The year that I year? got, the year that I, okay, so the year that I got into trouble was in 2017. I oh, got, wow. I got this charge in 2017. Okay, and, well. Um, this was in, uh, let's see here. This was in, I want to say August, maybe August of 2017. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, or maybe it was a little bit before that. No, it might have been in March, March or April of 2017. Anyway, so I was in jail for three months, and you know, through that time, like I went through, uh, there was a program in uh, Lancaster County Jail called A Women's Way Through the Twelve Steps, and it was a group that women got to go to, so we could work on. We would work on each individual step each week. We would go over what was required of us, basically and like what the step actually meant and we would work on it that week like in our cells and stuff or on our our own on our own time so we had to actually um commit and focus ourselves um while coming down in jail you know to doing these steps and you didn't have to do this program that i was in i signed up for it and then anytime that I could go to like an NA or AA meeting, I would go to that. But it literally is not far. It's literally right outside of the door of the of the the jail pod. And you go over into this other room. And you can still see the jail pod that you actually live in. So it's not far. It's not like some type of outing. It, but it is a good it's a good thing to like be able to go to those things and have contact with the outside world. Um, besides the guards and stuff like that people that are compassionate because the people that come in there and they preach to people like through the church and services and stuff like that and the people that hold the NA and AA meetings they're compassionate they have they have um, they're they're just that's what they want to do they want to help people they want to be there for people and those are the type of people that I like and I need to be around now especially and I think everybody needs to be around those kinds of people but so I went there and I was an iPod I don't know if you're familiar with any of the pods that's the pod that's way at the very end of the jail and um after I had been there for a couple of months or like two and a half months I think it was my last two weeks they were moving every they were moving certain people over to J pod which is like just down the hall so I was one of the people that got moved to J-Pod and um, got a room with somebody in there and they came in there. They were smelling like a whole lab, like literally. Okay. Um, like a meth lab. I know, I know what you meant. Uh, like stunk so bad. I was like, why do you put this person here with me? Can you tell them to shower? You know, cause this is like two and a half months into my sobriety. I'm like, ew. I know exactly what that is, you know? And I'm just like, uh, and then I, I had had a room by myself the entire time I was there, so I was comfortable and I didn't have to worry about myself. And there's crazy people that come in there. 
like don't put me with nobody crazy that's gonna like mess me up in my sleep or something you know because really I'm a sweet person I'm not a mean person I'm not like that but when I was under the influence I was not a very nice person to some people but I ended up going through St. Monica's from there from jail and went to St. Monica's um, met some really cool women there uh, and, and just went through the whole process went through you know finding out what the, the root cause of my issues were why I was using uh, working on a relapse prevention program and stuff like that um, those are all types of things that you work on when you're in treatment you work on groups you work on in group therapy where you call other people out which is kind of fun and then um, it, it was just an overall good experience and the best part of it was when I got to graduate, when I graduated and I could say that I completed that and I felt so good about it, you know, like it, it was just amazing. Yeah, well, I'm glad you went, I mean, not glad, but I'm glad you got through most of that. Um, at 2017, had I known you was like that, I, I, I definitely would have got you a place to stay and pay for everything until you got right. But Yeah, but um, I don't think that would have helped me. I know it wouldn't have. I know I wouldn't have, but I, it, but that, Hey, that does mean a lot for you, for you to say that. Oh, well, I definitely would have, because like I said, I had more than enough space. You just could have stayed in my, cause I was never home. You could have just stayed there and just, I would have disrespected your place. I think I didn't give a damn, but no, but that wouldn't have helped me. But honestly, yeah. I mean, that's, that's nice to know. Um, that well, you would have for me, but listen, let me tell you. So I, I was, so I was still on pretrial release. They let me out of jail on pretrial release when I was supposed to stay in jail, but they let me out. The judge said, you need to go to treatment and then we'll figure out what, where you're going to go after treatment. Because if I wouldn't have had a place to go after treatment, I would have had to go back to jail until sentencing. Well, I ended up, and this is like the biggest, like a really cool step was I got to go live and move in with my younger sister. Her name's Caitlin. And she took me into her house like she was so kind and so willing to like accept me and she was so happy I think that I was in treatment and that I was getting better like she was so happy because all of these years I was not good and um so that allowed us to I mean she worked all the time and I worked separate hours than her but uh so we lit she we were living right there in those apartments it was like Fairfield or something Oh, over there. By um, Sonic on 27th Street. Oh, I know where it is, yeah. Yeah, so my first job when I got out of treatment was Sonic, because I had already worked at Sonic once in my life, and I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is, like, within walking distance. I didn't have a car at the time, you know, so I was like, hey, this is going to work out perfect. So, uh, you know, during the week, you know, you have to call every day when you're on pretrial release or on probation, you have to call in to see if you have to go drug test. So in the mornings I would wake up at five in the morning and I would call down there and I would see if they called my color or my number or whatever. And then if they did, I would get dressed, go get on the bus, take the bus downtown. And the mornings that I had to go to outpatient treatment, which I did outpatient, I think for I think eight months or eight weeks. Um, I would take the bus downtown, go drug test, and then go out to St. Monica's again and do all that testing and stuff. So I was pretty busy. So I would go drug test, go to outpatient treatment, and then I would go to work at Sonic. 
until I think sometimes most of the time I was closing at 10 and then I would just have a full day you know so let me ask you this then so um what was what would you say be the um most important thing you learned through the experience the most important thing mm-hmm. uh, I mean I think the most important thing I learned through this experience is just to know that the people that you okay so normally when people get messed up they think that everybody's like against them and all this other stuff I would just say um, the most important thing is to just not give up on the people that you know love you because they're not against you they're just trying to get you help um, and not to give up not to give up on yourself most definitely and that there's always always help out there um there's always i mean there's phone numbers that you can call there's um places that you can go to there are safe places uh i mean uh, even on some of the gas stations there if people want to go get help they can go to one of those gas stations with the safe place sign on it and they can ask the gas station attendant to call the police or some people are scared of the police go to detox and you can get into treatment through detox. I mean, that's just here in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm not for sure how it works anywhere else. But I know that there's help out there. It is hard to get into treatment uh, facilities, and that's unfortunate. And they're moving to, with the pandemic and everything, they're doing a lot of stuff that is like online treatment, which is not the same. It's yeah, like I said, pretty difficult to get treatment online. Um, yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something. I just lost my train of thought. Um, so, would you say that's what I was going to ask you? So, would you say how the system is since you've been through it and everything? Um, would you say is the system bad? Is it average, or is it great for somebody that has an addiction? You know what? I mean, it, it honestly, for my situation, the system helped me. So. so you would say it. Yeah, for my situation and for my mentality and for me being the kind of person that I am, and at that time I wanted help. So the system can be beneficial, especially for the people that are willing to work and look at it at a different perspective. You know, so I, I, I listened and I listened. I didn't like bow down or whatever, but I bow down for myself, you know. Because if you don't bow down and you don't listen, especially when you get to a really almost death type of situation point, you know, a lot of people are out there about to die. Mm. You know, yeah. it's not like being a punk. Like we we grow up in these streets and then we think like, oh, expressing emotion or asking for help is a form of weakness. And it isn't. It's actually a form of strength. And I've learned that. But I would say that the system in from my experience has been good the judge that i had was actually awesome it was judge jacobson he he was awesome he he's a drug court judge here in lincoln and so he's very familiar with with drug addiction and what it can do to people oh well well, i'm glad he worked out for you but uh me personally i think you need to hear this um had that happened to you chelsea had you passed, that really, really, really would have messed up my life, Chelsea. Like, seriously. Because like I said, I watched you grow up and had that happened to you, I, I 
I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know what I would do. Like, you may think like, hey, I'm not that significant in your own life, but you, you are. Like, I always, I've always liked you. So, had you passed, that would destroy you. Mm-hmm. It would have destroyed my kids. Well, yeah, that will obviously. But to me, like, it's basically what what people don't understand is when when something happens, it's the people that you don't know who you affect. Right. That is so and, true. Because right, there's so, people that have passed away recently that I've known the person and I didn't really have, like, I didn't hang out with them that much or anything like that. Like, I know them from, like, growing up or whatever, but, like, we went our separate ways. When we just see each other, we always say hi, you know? But that person passed away and it's just, like, it's crazy, you know? It's just, like, I, I realize that this life, and everybody should realize that this life is so short. It's shorter than what you think it is. I mean, you think these some of these days are like drug out and like you can't wait to get to the next day. I mean, dang, I would rather have more minutes in this day. I mean, yeah, of course I want to make it to the next day, but enjoy the minute and the moment that you're in. Yeah, yeah, I, I try to tell myself that every day. Yeah, um, I know. Sometimes it can be trying, you know, life is trying for sure. Even though I, I, uh, I'm actually gonna have to get off the get off the the line. What's it called? A podcast or an yeah, interview? yeah, yeah. So I hope that um, what I said can empower someone else um, to either get help, ask for help, or just think about getting help. You know, that's the first step. Just start thinking about it because for a long time I thought about it. You know, it took me a couple years to actually get it. Yeah, well, like I said, I'm happy you got off. I'm glad you're doing better. So you know, they were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quit." Then I quit smoking cigarettes. About let's see here, in a couple months, it'll be one year. Yeah, good. Yeah, it might be even worse. So I'm glad you quit smoking cigarettes. Yeah, and but, you know, you know what's really bad? Alcohol, and that's legal. Yeah, you see, that's the problem. Uh, a lot of people don't consider alcohol a drug, but it is. Um, I don't. See, I don't have any habits, so. Um, I, I just lucked out. I don't have you any habit, talking. That's what you got. I got a habit. What? Say it again. You're talking. All you talking. do is talk. All talk. I do is talk. Not talk. Not saying that what you say is bullshit. I'm just saying you got a habit of putting in your fucking fifty cents. Fifty cents, not two fifty, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, are you talking about because of my podcast, you mean, or are you just saying no, in general? In general. Yeah, I was like, when I knew that you were kind of you were doing podcasts, I was like, yeah, this is this is his calling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so now we chatter lots. Okay, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I'll, I'll, thank you. I'll small, I'll, it's a small world that you met Joey. Who's Joey? Joseph. You mean Joseph? You mean? Yeah, Joseph. I've known Joseph for twenty-five years. I didn't know that. Yeah. I met Joseph at Signia when I was working at Signia and me and him clicked right away. Like he's super cool. Yeah. Um, he's super cool. He's just he's pretty laid he's actually laid back, but then he's not. Well, yeah, I know how Joseph did. Yeah, he's a he's a regular on my show, so uh, Yeah. He's a regular for sure. It, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, he he think he can um he thinks he can out politic me and he can't so joseph if you're listening you can't out politic me you lose every time buddy 
But go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> and when did you say he gets his black card again? Uh, nine days. In nine days. Yeah, nine days. He can get it back. But until then, I can't do it. He shouldn't have said that. Sand Hills. What? What was it? Cranes. Sand Hills. Cranes. Sand Hills. Oh nah, nah. Yeah. I can't be. Nah, not on my podcast. Uh huh. Can't be saying stuff like that on my podcast. So can't. <laughs> nine days. He'll get it back. So. All right. Well, I have to, um, you know, finish my evening. I got to make some more soap. Oh. So, uh, if anybody, I'm getting let go for some soap. I'm getting let go for some damn soap. Man, yeah, what a world. <laughs> got to stay, stay clean. So, that's going to be the name of my business once I get it up and going. It's going to be I'm Clean because I associate my self care with my sobriety. I feel like self care is a very, very important part of sobriety because I did not do self care for so long when I was in active addiction. So, um, I just feel like I want to be able to share that with other people, even people that don't have addictions, you know, self-care is very important. Yes, and I, yes it is. I don't want to be behind your stinky ass at say, Super Saver or Walmart. <sighs> wow. Because it's too much. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I want to make sure I deodorize every time I'm around you. Okay, Chelsea? Sorry. No, just soap. Just if you take a shower, honestly, if you take a shower every day, I take a shower probably... I take a shower every day, sometimes twice a day, depending on what I've done, like as far as like activities and stuff. But like, and especially with COVID, like who doesn't shower, especially with COVID or take their clothes off? They, some people just stay in the same shit. Ill, first of all, ill, ill. Yeah. Second, um, uh, I thought every I thought every adult took a shower every day. Yeah, I know. But anyways, it's self, back to the soap. So self-care is very important. Um, I can make vegan soaps if if somebody would like vegan, but I really like the goat's milk because it's really moisturizing. Um, and the soaps that I make are just so beautiful. It's just like a, a form of art for me. And I really like art. Um, and they just smell so good. I also just started making, um, it's a hard form lotion bar. So the ingredients are organic white beeswax, mango butter, and extra virgin olive oil with essential oils if you want them. But for the people with sensitive skin, I probably wouldn't use essential oil. I would just use the the wax, the mango butter, and then the extra virgin olive oil. Because that's the most natural. Okay, cool. So I'll make you a deal, okay? So that's what I'll do. All right, so anytime you make a new soap, you could get on here and advertise it, okay? Like okay, a lot of people, a lot of people listen to me a lot, and a lot, a lot of women, especially because a lot of women hate me. So they would love, they would love to hear about all this soap and you know the stuff that you make and everything else. So anytime you do something new, you can come on my podcast, advertise it, and just make whatever you want to make on it. You know. Hey, that's cool. And I'm working on making candles too because I know candles are a thing. Because I I spend lots of money on candles. I don't know. I think last month I spent like $130 on candles. $130 on candles. Yeah, that was just last month. So how much does this cost? I'm gonna have to buy me one. Uh, oh, a bar of soap? Yeah, no, 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 candle. I, I like manly. I'm a man. I, like, I need. I have not made a so uh, a candle yet. I have to perfect this. All right, the soap. But when it, I, I, when it you get one, I will most definitely. I'm just gonna throw you a candle just for just on GP. No, I ain't worried about that. Damn the candle. What is the soap? I need some manly soap. It can't be none of this. Oh, yeah. I just, it smells like nectar. 
No, I have, um, I have all kinds of manly scents. I can do, I can do you a manly scent for sure. I'll make one yeah. and then I'll let you try it out, okay? For letting me get on this podcast and vent to you about my life, about my trials, tribulations. I mean, this this is probably a good thing. This is almost like therapy. Well, good, because I'm always a phone call away when you need me. So. Okay, most definitely. I do want to thank you so much um, for having me on here tonight. No, I want to thank you for coming on, okay? So. All right, thank you so much. I, I can talk, so. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed because out of the 52 minutes, 49 is you and three minutes is me. So I, I know you can I know you can talk. All so. right. Yeah, and I want to apologize for that. You know, I get emotional when I talk about things in my life that I've been through. But, I mean, I guess at least I have emotion. So that's good. Oh, everybody's emotional. Paul, what's, before you go, I want to ask you, listen, I'm about to have, I don't know when, hoping next week because I don't know everybody's schedule but I am about to have a podcast where it's men versus women do you want to get on yeah I'll get on <laughs> all right okay yeah. now remember but it's all not right. going to be vicious between us not like that but it's going to be no, called men versus women I'm so for my women but the thing is is I'm a neutral party I stick up for men a lot because I have my dad my dad is the one that raised me uh, well, that's good because I don't stick up for women at all because I can't stand y'all. So it's perfect for me. So we're too perfect for you, huh? No, 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 no. I can't stand y'all. So it's perfect for me. Oh, to, you know. Okay. No, I no, I can't stand you guys. So um, love y'all, but can't stand you. So I can. So make sure you get on that, okay? So if okay, anything goes, send me, shoot me a message and send me a link. I'll most definitely get on there. Yeah, okay. Uh, is there anything else you want to tell anybody in the podcast? Before uh, else? Um, I don't know. Just, I guess everybody stay safe out there. The world is crazy. Um, be kind to your neighbor. Yeah, and also, uh, Chelsea used 51 minutes of the podcast, and Jerome got two minutes and 47 seconds. So, I it worked. So, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just name this podcast Chelsea. So, that's okay, what we'll do. Ahead, do it. Yeah, I will. So, okay. thank you so okay. much, Jerome. You know, you know, take care of yourself. Okay, Chelsea? Yeah, I will. I'll keep in touch for sure. Okay. All right, huh? Okay. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.